the uh, phenomenon of, of going to Kivrei Tzadikim, of davening there, of visiting, is quite common. It's becoming more and more common, actually. And when we think of where Kivrei Tzadikim are, we generally think of either Eretz Yisrael, which there are many from very different times, from ancient times to modern times, or of Europe, where uh, people are going to Eastern Europe, a little bit to Western Europe, where all different tzaddikim throughout the generations were buried. Lately, it's been picking up some Kivrei tzaddikim in America also. But one place which we would not think of where Kivrei tzaddikim are buried would be England, even though the Shatzarebbe gets lots and lots of visitors, and people have seen tremendous Yeshua's, but that's a different topic. But... Um, now just we'll mention another caver of a big tzaddik in, buried in London. And it's a big curiosity how he came to be buried there, and that's of Reb Lezer Gordon, the Telzer Rosh Hashiva. The, one of the, almost the first Telzer Rosh Hashiva, the famous Telzer Rosh Hashiva. And he's not buried in Tells. When we bring uh, groups to Tells, we go to the Beis Kvaris, and there's Reb Yisifle Bloch, and Reb Lezer Gordon's not there. He's in London. I don't know how many people visit his cover in London, but there he is. And the uh, story of how he got there and his tragic ending there is quite a fascinating chapter of both his life and of Eastern European Jewry, especially the Lithuanian yeshiva world. So the image we have of the funding of Lithuanian yeshivas of pre-war is very often tied up in the image of the great Russian yeshiva traveling to places like the United States for long, long periods of time, and fundraising there. Well, the first one who pioneered that was Blazer Gordon, and he made that tragic trip to London. It was the first time any Lithuanian Rosh Yeshiva had traveled overseas to England to fundraise for the Yeshiva. There had been a, a Mishulachim, what they called Shadarim, of Yeshivas who were sent to America, to England, to Western Europe, even before that, even from the time of Alajan, actually. But when uh, Reblazer Gordon went in the winter, the end of the winter of 1910, to uh, England, he was the first major Rosh Hashiva to do so. Um, Reblazer Gordon himself was an incredible personality. He was a genius, uh, a goin, um, a fiery, vibrant, lively, exciting personality with a, a tremendous uh, energy that, that, that animated from him. People loved him. People, he was a dynamic figure. He was a Talmud of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter when Rabbi Yisrael Salanter had a yeshiva in Zarecha in Vilna. And then he uh, later went to Kovna, to the Naviyozer Kloiz in Kovna, where he learned um, he was a Rav in Kelm. And he became the Rav in Tells in, um, in 1881, and he took over the new yeshiva that had been started six years earlier by three young, younger light um, in Tells. And he became famous both as the Telzer Rav and the Telzer Yeshiva, and he put Tells on the map. He's the one who really made the Tells Yeshiva one of the most uh, major yeshivas and important yeshivas in the Litvish yeshiva world at the time. Um, especially after the closing of Alajit, um in 1892. Now, Reblaze Gordon, through his tenure as Rashiv and Tells, like, like we mentioned, um, he 
had so much energy. He was a gain. His shiurim were electrifying. The the shouting, the excitement, the he was just someone who brought up the level of 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 the yeshiva world, the learning, the kavod hatayra, the the pride that people felt to be part of a yeshiva that he was the head of. Um, but the yeshiva at the same time had its ups and downs, and there was a few rebellions from the Talmidim of the yeshiva that made the stuff of legend. There was an anti-Musa revolt, there was other things going on, and in the late uh, 19th century, in the beginning part of the 20th century, were rocky times in the Tel's yeshiva, like they were in other yeshivas as well at the same time. It was the time of revolutionaries in Russia, um, in general, and Tel's was in the Russian Empire, like everywhere else, basically, in Eastern Europe, besides for Galicia. So, it affected the yeshiva as well, and there were these ups and downs. In 1906, actually, 1905, 1906, the revolt of the uh, Talmudim and the yeshiva actually caused the yeshiva to be closed down for several months, and officially the Tel's yeshiva closed, and there was a whole uh, situation that had to be taken care of and dealt with. Eventually, they came to terms, Laser Gordon was able to reopen the yeshiva a few months later, some of the Bachram uh, were not able to return. It was a whole story. That really is a story in itself. Really, the story of Rebbe Gordon's life and the story of Tel's yeshiva is really another topic and should be another topic because it's exciting. It's an incredible story, and we'll have to save that for another time. In 1908, the town of Tel's, including the yeshiva, burns down, which was quite common in Eastern European towns. Um, you know, they used firewood and wooden houses during the long winter, and very often the town would burn down, and um, they needed to rebuild the building. The yeshiva was in desperate financial straits, and shortly afterwards, in 1910, the winter of 1910, Erlazer Gordon decides to make the very uh, dynamic move and, and, and new and unheard of move of traveling overseas. In the pre-World War I era, all the fundraising, or almost all the fundraising rather, took place within the confines of the Russian Empire. The wealthy Jews of St. Petersburg and Moscow, that's where a lot of the fundraising took place, sometimes in Western Europe as well, but mainly it stayed within the Russian Empire. And it was only after the collapse of the Russian Empire, in independent Poland and Lithuania, in the interwar period, that they started turning more to the United States. So what Reblazer Gordon was doing was actually a very new and different type of move, but he was going to try it out. He makes it there, and he is not very well received, according to several sources who report on his initial encounter in England. Um, he meets the chief rabbi of England, Rabbi Sir Herman Adler, who is a German Jewish rabbi, a yekka, and um, and um, uh, England like the United States at the time, um, was receiving large droves. This was 1910, the peak of the Great Emigration, which is also another topic for another, another opportunity. The Great Emigration, where millions of Jews left Eastern Europe, mainly for the United States, but also to places like England and really every country around the world. And uh, there was an influx of Eastern European Jews into England, and the old established Yeki. German Jewish community was not so excited about Eastern European Jews arriving in such droves. And the chief rabbi himself had these issues with the uh, immigrants, with the 
with the whole situation that was going on in England, the friction between the established German-Jewish community and the new immigrant Jewish community of Eastern European Jews, which again is a story in itself. And not only that, but uh, what he had heard about Tal's yeshiva just a couple of years earlier was that it had closed down. And, you know, he didn't really get that very often reports about what was going on in Tal's. So his information was a bit outdated. So he greets Sir Blazer Gordon. He says, well, isn't your yeshiva closed down? Your, uh, your claim to be fundraising for a new building, but there is no Tal's yeshiva. And you Eastern European Jews are crowding up England and who needs you? He didn't really say that, obviously. But that was the imply, implication. He wasn't very welcome there. And uh, so it got off to a bad start. And he actually did not make very well. Um, after a week of being there, he already was in bad health when he came. His doctors warned him against traveling. His wife came along to accompany him to make sure that he's okay. But he was not okay. He was already not healthy. And he was broken by his, his uh, initial encounter there and by the first few days there and not being successful at fundraising. And a week later, he suffers a fatal heart attack and dies in London. The Jewish community of London is shocked. They're horrified. He was known as one of the G'dayli Hadar. And here they had treated him pretty badly. They, were not, they didn't fundraise for his yeshiva. And they decided to make a very large and prestigious and bakavadik levaya. They made a very, very nice levaya. They also built a nice oil and built a beautiful matseva over his grave. That was as if to... Uh, to um, make up for what was due to him that they had not been able to do for him in his lifetime. As it happened, the Slutskarov, um, who was already after, it was after his tenure in, in Chicago, and he was already living in Sfas actually at the time, Rabbi uh, David Volovsky, um, the Ridbaz, um, happened to be in London at the time on his travels, and he was masked him at his Leviah. There's some great Rabbanim who were at his Leviah, um, and one of the ones who gave Hesped is actually the Rav of Glasgow, famous Rav, Rav Shmuel Yitzchak Hilman, who was a Rav in, in Lithuania, and Lita, before that, and he later was the father-in-law of Rav Herzog. In his later years, he lived in Eretz Yisrael. He was also a famous Dayan, a famous Paisik, a famous Rav. And um, actually, interestingly enough, if you look on Wikipedia, they tell you that the Aderes was by his Leviah, Rav, 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 uh, his name escapes me now, the Adaras of Tu'umim, who was the Rav in Panovich, the Rav in Mir, and the Rav in uh, Yerushalayim. Um, that obviously is not true. Uh, the Adaras died five years earlier, in 1905 in Yerushalayim, so it would be quite odd if five years after he died, he would have been in London to uh, be by the uh, Rebbeza Gordon's Leviathan. So you can't really believe everything you see on Wikipedia, though they do have some great information there. Um, but Rav Shmuel Yitzhak Hilman definitely was there, and he gave one of the main hespedim, and he quoted a Pasuk. He died on Dalid Adar Aleph in Tafresh Ayin in 1910. So it wasn't that week's Parsha, but he felt that this was an appropriate Pasuk to relate. Rav Shmuel Yitzhak Hilman, when he was being masked or Blazer Gordon, tells the Rosh Yeshiva who dies so far away from his home and his beloved Yeshiva in town, of Tells, here he dies a week into his unsuccessful fundraising trip in London. He quotes a Pasuk that Yosef Hatzadik says to the Saramashkim when he's in jail. He says to him, Kigunoiv gunavti me'eretz ho'ivrim. I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews. 
וגם פוי לא יאסיסי מאומה, and here I did not do anything, כי שמו אייסי בבוער, that they put me into this pit. And he takes it out of that context that Yosef is saying that to the Saramashkim, and he applies it to Rablazer Gordon. And he says to him, Rablazer Gordon, that tells the Rosh Hashiva, that tells the Rav, Gunav Gunav Tim Eretz Ivrim, you were stolen from the Eretz Ivrim. And where's the Eretz Ivrim? In the pre war era, when Eretz Yisrael was a faraway place that almost no Jews lived in. So they referred to any place outside of Eastern Europe as Chutzlaretz. Eastern Europe, that's where it's at. I've seen many letters from Chaim Eiser, from other tremendous Rabbanim and Gedele Yisrael throughout the generations, for hundreds of years, that, that referred to the lands of outside of Eastern Europe as Chutzlaretz. So the Eretz Ivrim is obviously Eastern Europe, the Russian Empire, Lita, Poland, that's Eretz Ivrim. So he was stolen from Eretz Ivrim, and he's in this faraway land of England. And here he came to fundraise for his yeshiva, and he wasn't able to do anything. And now they're putting me into the pit. They're burying me into the ground. This is what I have to show for all my efforts. And that was the, he was saying as if it was the bitter cry of Rablazer Telzer, who gave, who was one of the leaders of the Jewish people in Europe in Eastern Europe, in the Russian Empire, in Tells, in Lithuania. He was a great Rosh Yeshiva, he was a great Rav, and here he's far away, in this faraway land, unsuccessful, being buried in London, and that's where he lies till this very day um, in, in the London Besak Forest.